joined now on the flagship podcast interview by the one and only Roger Wallace of KXAN, 26 years at KXAN here in Austin, Texas. Uh, been a part of the Longhorn Radio broadcast, the Longhorn Radio Network for uh, athletic broadcasts since 2004. Good timing, Roger, by the way, on that. Yeah, I, I stepped right in, didn't I? I mean, uh, you know, my first road game, uh, I remember, first of all, the first home game that year was North Texas, and Cedric Benson's first touch that year was a touchdown run. Then they go to Arkansas for my first road game, and, you know, I was doing sidelines. And they warned me, and they were right. It was uh, – that still may be the loudest stadium I've, I've been in, including, you know, Ohio State and, and uh, some of the other ones. But, yeah, it was uh, quite a way to, to get started back in 04. So, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Going back, right? Going back. <laughs> week two. You know, it's week funny, two. Chip. We, we got there on a – we get there on a Friday, you know, and we, we do some work for, for TV – and they couldn't have been more accommodating at the uh, stadium, more friendly. By Saturday night, not so much. <laughs> it was they were breathing fire, man. Wow, wow, yeah. And that's that's one of those games that always seems to mean more to Arkansas than to Texas. I'm not trying to be, you know, big brother to Arkansas, but those fans get they just get amped for Texas. And I, I don't know if these current players understand it. Um, but they're going to find out when they head up to Fayetteville um, after facing the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns in week one, the same Ragin' Cajuns who went into Ames, Iowa, as part of that Sunbelt takedown uh, in week one against the Big 12 last year. And, and Roger, that leads us into uh, Steve Sarkeesian, the, the, the new uh, direction for Texas football. And I guess your thoughts initially on, you know, when, it, when there's a new president, we do the first hundred days for the new football coach at Texas, the first 60 days, your thoughts. Well, from our interaction, it's, I don't know, you may be the same way, but you kind of look at a, at a head coach where you cover them from a, a couple of different perspectives. First off, do you think they can win? Do you think they're doing it? And then kind of, you know, how does it affect your job? Because we have to deal with these uh, coaches so much and they see so much of us. And when we get back to the old ways, you know, that's such a big part of our careers from, you know, whatever, August to, to December. So, you know, recruiting wise, it, it looks like he's, he's getting uh, things together, what he wants. You, you start with the quarterback uh, commit. Sounds like that's the quarterback he wanted, Malik Murphy, and, and filling in uh, some, some spots and looking down the road to get the running back Owens. Uh, I've never been much uh, into the recruiting. I follow what you guys do. And, and I believe that, you know, guys that are ranked high are going to be good. And I also know that a lot of them aren't going to pan out. And I'll be honest, Chip, I'll look on a, a roster and I'll go, oh, wait, I remember him. He was huge news when he committed and when he signed. And now he's, he's struggling to get on the field. So from that perspective, it uh, looks like he's doing a good Good, doing a good job recruiting. Sounds like a staff that, uh, you know, again, and you follow this closer than anybody, you know, when you bring a staff in from all points of the country, you just wonder how that's going to work out. And, and the other thing is, Chip, what do they like after a loss? Because until they lose, I don't think you have a great gauge on kind of the, the, the all-round coach that you're dealing with. 
Yeah. You don't, you don't know what you got until you hit some adversity. You don't yeah. know as a coach, you don't know what kind of player leadership you have until you hit some adversity and the players don't know what kind of coach they have until they hit that stuff either. Um, what has stood out to you, Roger? And, and, you know, obviously it was a huge decision by Texas to, to end the Tom Herman era when the guys not had a losing season, 25 million to buy him out and his staff and to go in the direction of, of Steve Sarkeesian, who, you know, obviously had a fall from grace in his, in his last venture as a college head coach, but clearly Texas felt like he had learned and learned some valuable lessons working with Nick Saban and having worked with Pete Carroll. But what, uh, what do you make of the commitment of Texas to go in this direction, the timing of it, how big of a gamble is this? Seems like a, a, a big gamble. Uh, the timing was interesting because of uh, you add up the last two wins uh, at K-State in the Alamo Bowl, and it was, uh, what, 70 points uh, combined margin of victory. And um, it looked like things were kind of, you know, you, you saw the young quarterback, Casey Thompson. We saw the future, uh, you know, centerpiece of the offense in Bijan Robinson. So all that seemed to be trending the other way. I guess it, what it tells me and what, you know, all of us learned is it just, it was, it wasn't fixable. But when things went bad in the middle of the season, the results were irrelevant almost from there on out. Now, you tell me, if they walk off that field against Iowa State with a victory and play for the Big 12 title, maybe that's the difference. Uh, and then the second part of your question is, well, you know, they went down the Urban Meyer hole, and once you don't get him, where do you go? So I thought it was interesting that that so quickly, as, as you reported on January 2nd, uh, you know, they had their guy in Sark who, you know, he's attached to Nick Saban. So, you know, suddenly people are watching that national title game uh, with a different eye with Texas fans. But sure, it's a gamble. I don't know. I think we've learned there's there's no sure things. And and so, um, you know, he's much different than Tom Herman. Uh, I think, you know, he's a, a little um, more mellow. I think he's uh, at least to us, it's a it's not quite as uh, forceful. His message, it's more like, you know, work together. Now, you know, he hasn't been a head coach in a long time. And think about where he was a head coach. USC, obviously USC is huge in LA, but it's still a university in a pro city. And Washington in Seattle, same deal. It's a pro city. So it's going to be different from him. Probably has already been uh, different right off the bat with the amount of attention he's going to get. Anything stand out to you so far in, in what he has said, either about his own uh, personal growth or the message to his players or to the fans at Texas? Uh, so far, I think he's, he's played it about, you know, like we would expect, uh, you know, he, he's not going to, he's not going to get sucked into what he inherited uh, passing judgment on what happened, why the program decided to make a change as you, as you talked about, even though wins and losses so much different than, you know, when they made the change from Charlie to, to Tom Herman. Uh, but I sense a, a confidence that probably I think he feels like he's really benefited uh, from his time in the NFL, from his time with Nick Saban. And, and you almost sense that uh, he's got this confidence that he's going to be a different coach. And we, hear, you know, we see so many examples of guys 
uh, for different reasons, being a head coach, it not working out for one reason or another, getting that, you know, that next opportunity. And it does. Uh, so I guess maybe it's just kind of that quiet confidence. There's not, we're going to turn this around. There's not this, but you just get the sense. He thinks he knows what, what it will take to get it done. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, Chris Del Conte, uh, there were the two big hires that he was not a part of were football and basketball. Now Chris Del Conte has been involved in the hiring of the football coach. Um, you've got all these facility upgrades that Del Conte has uh, done an amazing job with my God. I mean, when you total it up and even the basketball arena where they're getting uh, third party funding, I mean, the total is 700 million in terms of facility upgrades that have touched just about every sport on campus and football, the South end will be ready to go this fall. Um, you know, the momentum, what, what are realistic expectations, Roger for, I mean, you're laughing already and Texas fans are expecting the big 12 title every right. year, but I, I, I kind of find myself saying, Hey, just hope for the Mac Brown formula, you know, win nine the first year, go to a big 12 title game in year two. And again, in year four, you know, it'd be great. Right. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts? What's, what are realistic expectations if such a thing exists for Texas fans? Yeah, that it almost, it, Chip, you know, this as well as anybody, those words together at Texas, it's, that's a tough combination, realistic expectations. I mean, they're, they're going to be off the charts and, and people hate to look what other teams have because they want their team to be able to win regardless, but you have to be realistic as well about, okay, Casey Thompson was great thrust into that unusual situation down in San Antonio. Uh, we can only assume B. John Robinson, uh, albeit a different offensive line, is going to be really good, be a workhorse, but just start with OU and what they've got coming back. And you have to start a quarterback, right? I mean, every team you look at, don't you start with quarterback? So you look at Oklahoma, you look at Iowa State, the two teams that played in the Big 12 title game, their quarterbacks are back. So uh, realistic expectations. I think nine would exceed uh, expectations. If you're talking about nine and three, um, it means you either run the table and then think about they not run the table in the non-conference and how long, you know, right. You don't count this year because it was just one game. So just that start, you know, when you look at, at Tom Herman had, you know, he was the guy you had to have, right. I mean, they had to have Tom Herman. He cast such a shadow over this program from Houston. They had to have him. What happens? They go in the first home game and lose to Maryland and, you know, two different quarterbacks. Okay, next year we've got a veteran in Sam Ellinger. We're going to Maryland. All the things swirling around that Maryland program, the, the tragedy they had to endure, they changed coaches. They go in there and lose. So all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball right off the bat. So how about this for a realistic expectation? 3-0 in non-conference, and that's two good wins at home against Louisiana and in Fayetteville. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And it's, uh, I mean, everyone's excited, but it's, there's, you've got to plan for uh, an adjustment period. I mean, you look at Casey Thompson, he's on his third offense in three years, but um, you know, what do you think? I mean, when you look at the roster, talking to Roger Wallace, um, longtime voice on Longhorn radio, uh, broadcast course, 26 years at KXAN in Austin. 
Um, when you look at the roster, what excites you? Where are the concerns? Uh, offensively, I don't know if the quarterback's a concern. It's more, I think you still have to call it somewhat of a question mark uh, because you have one half of a body of work to go with. It was a, a spectacular half. Um, but then uh, obviously the, the running back situation, but then, okay, what about the offensive line? You're going to have some changes on the offensive line. I think they'll be good at wide receiver. The middle of the defense excites me on the defensive line, the two big guys in the middle. And, you know, he's, everybody says, you know, you build from the middle and out. So those excite me where, you know, are they going to have a pass rusher uh, like a Joseph Osai? Uh, DeMarvion Overshone really excites me. I think that was uh, huge that they get him a second year in the system because he's such an athletic anomaly uh, at his size. And I would assume he's going to get a little bit bigger and not lose any speed. He's the guy that excites me the most uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and I guess you have to factor in the Sark uh, factor offensively. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he can take good and make great uh, when it comes to the offense. Again, he was handed the keys last year to, you know, where they have the, they had the best offensive line. They had one of the top three to five quarterbacks. They had one of the best running backs. We had two, three of the best wide receivers. So, okay, is it scheme? Is it talent? I guess we'll, we'll find out a little more of a uh, sample size when he gets a hold of this Texas offense. We'll take a quick break here on the uh, flagship podcast interview with Roger Wallace, longtime voice on Texas uh, radio broadcasts. And, of course, uh, 26 years at KXAN here in Austin. Roger, um, let's uh, let's get a couple thoughts from you on Texas basketball uh, because Shaka Smart, unbelievable ten and one start. The Longhorns are in the top five. Greg Brown, a lot of excitement. Then they have COVID issues. They lose four of five. Now they're having to make up games. They're all on the road. They lose uh, a tough one to Texas Tech and. Suddenly they're in the middle of the pack in the big 12 after beating Kansas in Lawrence by 25 earlier in the year. Uh, where is this Texas basketball team? Man, that's a, that's a good question, Chip. And I, I certainly can't answer that because of what we've seen with the roller coaster ride by all accounts, uh, the way they fell behind against KU and the way KU had been playing, you figure, okay, they're going to, they're going to lose that one because, uh, you know, not only is KU playing good, but you're at home with, with a handful of people. So you're not getting a big bump. You know, the, the home court advantage now is you don't have to travel and you don't have to travel. And I've, Chip, I've traveled twice doing UT women's uh, basketball games on the road, sitting in for Craig, and you have to wear the N95 on the flight. You have to wear the shield. That is, you know, that's miserable. And then these kids and, and the coaches talk about it, but I was kind of thrust into that, that little bubble with them. And you see, it's terrible on the road. You go in, you, they, they go to the meeting room, they grab their meal, they go back to the room. I sound like Tom Herman right now. I know, yeah. but it's true. And I lived it uh, to a certain extent. I had a little more freedom. I didn't have to go by their schedule. So the road problem this year is just kind of enduring. It has nothing to do with the arena unless, you know, some arenas, maybe you feel more comfortable than others. And obviously at home, you better feel the most comfortable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, offensively, this team still is frustrating. Um, you, you know, you look, I looked at a mock draft and they had Greg Brown and Kai Jones back to back at, at 16 and 17. So here we go again, right? They're going to both go in the first round and people go, how can you have two first round near, if not lottery, right on the fringe of lottery picks 
and do what you did. Well, again, Cade Cunningham takes over games. Uh, these guys don't. Uh, Greg Brown's had flashes. Coincidentally, one of them was against Cade Cunningham and OSU. But, you know, they're going to, their payoff is going to be down the road more so than here. Now, you know, who says they can't get it rolling uh, if they get to Indiana? Uh, but I don't know. You got the three guards, and it's supposed to be, you know, a guards game, especially in the postseason, but they don't ever seem to be all, all kind of in sync together. Uh, and, and then what you get on the inside is so inconsistent productive wise. Well, speaking of Indiana, of course, the NCAA tournament will be in Indianapolis. Um, you are a, uh, a graduate of Indiana, and you and I were talking before the, the flagship podcast interview. Your senior year was yep. Bobby Knight throwing the chair across the floor. Was that against Purdue? That was against Purdue. Uh, my parents had come up to uh, visit. They went to the game with me. Or they were at the game. I was serving in a, a student media capacity, uh, so we were not together. But yeah, uh, but it was uh, you know just like you're watching something in slow motion. But those were uh, Chip. Until things kind of went off the rails for night, that was the worst four-year stretch uh, you could be in. I came in right after Isaiah and the uh, Hoosiers won the national title, and then I left. And two years later, Steve Alford. Leads them, and in fact, my senior year, they went to the NIT, beat Allen Houston and Tennessee in the semifinals at Madison Square Garden, and lost to Reggie Miller and UCLA in the championship game. So, think you know, Bob Knight in the NIT, uh, just three years removed from a national championship. And remember, the year before is when they beat Jordan and North Carolina in the regional semifinals. When, when you know, that may have been the most talented team. Carolina ever had when you look at all the, the top players, uh, not just Jordan, you had Kenny Smith, you had Brad Doherty, you had Sam Perkins, uh, you had Jimmy Black, you had uh, Matt Doherty. Uh, that team was unbelievable. So yeah, I was in there for a, an interesting four-year stretch. And if you know the book Season on the Brink, the 84-85 season led to the next one, which was the Season on the Brink. And then they, they won the national title the next year. So is basketball what would you say is your favorite sport to follow? Well, I'm, I'm a chameleon chip. I got to go where, you know, where the bills are paid. So here <laughs> football means the most to the most people. So, so I understand that, but yeah, as a kid growing up in Ohio, I basketball was always my first passion uh, going to IU, obviously uh, my senior year at IU, they were own 11 in football uh, under the late uh, great Bill Mallory. Babe Laufenberg was a quarterback in my stretch at IU, a, a Stanford transfer. Uh, I did see Marcus Allen come through Bloomington and just obliterate their defense. And Keith Byers may have been the best college running back I had seen in my life uh, up until that point for Ohio State. But uh, basketball as a kid was always, it was always my favorite sport. Well, um, we'll get your thoughts on UT baseball and then we'll, we'll turn you loose, uh, Roger. Obviously, David Pierce trying to get his team going. He's not afraid to play tough competition. They go up to the, uh, the State Farm College Baseball Showdown at Globe Life Field and, and get wiped out by top 10 competition, but then uh, take three of four against BYU. Um, Texas picked to finish third in the Big 12. Your, your early thoughts on Texas baseball. Yeah, and, and we've heard this before, but uh, 
hitting up and down the lineup, you got to be able to be more consistent than they have offensively. It really struggled in Arlington, uh, just striking out too many times. And then uh, David, I did the game on uh, Saturday, uh, and he was really frustrated with you know the bullpen. The you know Tristan Stevens was rolling along, they gets hit a little bit, and then you bring in guys you think can win some battles, and they just didn't win the battle. Uh, and they only scored, uh, you know, they score four early, but can't do anything afterwards. So still trying to find, you brought up a good point though, Chip, that, that competition, you can't turn down being invited to the, that event, but tech went up there and lost all three as well. So, you know, there's the potential you're going to come out of there. Oh, and three, you don't think about, but you know, it's possible, but one and two, and you could still say, ah, last year they went to Houston, went one and two, got, you know, got beat by LSU in a close game beat Arkansas and then lost to Missouri. So, uh, but you learn a lot more, I would think, uh, in that environment than having somebody come in and just, you know, have BP for three games. So I think this weekend will be interesting against U of H um, because then South Carolina comes to town the next weekend. I, I'm not discounting midweek games. I know you can lose any of them, Corpus on Tuesday and in San Marcos on Wednesday. But I think it's, I think you got some really good pitchers, uh, frontline guys. Ty Madden was outstanding. Uh, in his start on Friday, but I think they're trying to figure out the bullpen. I think Tanner Witt's probably going to be the name uh, that we'll we'll see a lot. And if Pete Hansen can can get healthy, then he can be your number two guy behind Madden. Yeah, I'll tell you, Tanner Witt. What he retired yeah. the ten batters he faced on uh, on Saturday against BYU after that eruption for uh, for five runs in the in the sixth by or uh, yeah he. Yep he was solid. And that, uh, yeah. that's, that's good news. He has a zero, zero ERA. I know after three appearances, that's a good thing, right? Um, Roger really, really, uh, appreciated. Do you have a favorite Longhorn moment that you've been a part of in terms of a broadcast? Um, well, you know, there's a few, um, obviously the, the Vince touchdown, I was down on the sidelines for that. Uh, but, Incredible. uh, my first right there up over my uh, shoulder there. Yeah, you know, I found a, uh, I was at a, a, a dealer, like a Photoshop. I don't know what, you know, they had like their photos, but they're framed and everything uh, at the Barton Creek Mall. And uh, I saw the Vince touchdown and you could see in the background, you could see a kind of a silhouette. And then you saw this little, little like colored thing right there. I said, that's me. That's Because <laughs> that was the credential. I had like a right. black coat on. So, so we bought that, but yeah, that, that was one of them, uh, being in San Antonio when Texas, uh, I wasn't on the broadcast there, but just being, uh, in San Antonio when they went to the final four was really cool. I was really, uh, thought it was cool for oh, Rick Barnes. Yep. You know, my first game doing UT women was they went to Stanford. Stanford had just beaten UConn's and snapped their 46 game win streak and Texas went out there and beat them and, my, my women's broadcasting experience has been interesting, Chip, because I never thought about, you know, doing women's basketball. Uh, and then I think of a line that Rick Barnes uses and Shaka loses, uses about getting lost in the game. And that's the first thing I noticed doing the UT women. Once you get lost in the game, doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. And, and so that was a really cool moment. Uh, I did the Alabama game when Mo Bamba and Colin Sexton uh, went head to head. And, and Texas dominated Alabama. A Stanford game with the men, Isaiah Taylor hit a crazy shot uh, to beat Stanford. So there's been a lot of a lot of cool moments over the years. The walk-off win against LSU a couple of years ago 
uh, in baseball when they swept uh, LSU. But uh, it's it's been a joy. I love doing the game so much. Well, I, I should ask you about the Texas women, and they're, they're coming off this really heartbreaking loss to OU yeah. where they – I think they were up 10 with three minutes left and somehow, you know, found themselves in overtime and then lost. Uh, and they've got Baylor this week. And, um, but, you know, give me your thoughts about Vic Schaefer and, and the Texas women's basketball team. Yeah. You know, it was, I, I did that game Saturday and they went over to do the baseball game. So I don't even know if I'll be allowed on campus again <laughs> after that, that six hour stretch. Uh, but yeah, it almost seemed like, uh, uh, everything just kind of caught up to them. Charlie Collier fouled out. Uh, Celeste Taylor fouled out. They missed a bunch of free throws down the stretch, and, and, and OU just made enough plays. But they're offensively challenged. And if, if Charlie, it, even if she's giving you 25 and 15, you still got to find another, you know, 40 points. They play really, really hard defense. Uh, but they're just so limited offensively. And I think he's so excited about this class coming in, the two guards from, from Houston and the Moore from – from uh, Oklahoma, but uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they can, you know, make any noise uh, in the bubble. And, you know, Charlie's someone, if you get the right matchup now, oh, you should have been the right matchup. They didn't have everybody over six, two. And uh, she got herself in the foul trouble or she could have scored, you know, uh, at will. But uh, I think he's scrapping with what he's got. He's, he's thin in the backcourt. Uh, and he basically has two bigs in uh, Charlie and the transfer from, uh, from Duke or from Penn state, rather Lauren Ebo. So I think he's, you look at the record and they're, they're 10 and six in the big 12 and you're going, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, considering two wins over Iowa state, but that was a bad one on, on Sunday. And, and Vic was really frustrated about that. Yeah. I, I love his energy and, and helps on yeah. the way he's certainly recruiting well. So um, that that's going to be a fun program to watch and he's won everywhere he's been. Um, certainly as a head coach at Mississippi state going to two national championship games. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And the timing chip with the new arena coming in a couple of seasons, that's even, I mean, it's going to be great for the guys. Uh, but I think even more so was if, if you put six and a half, seven in there, it's going to be so different. The Irwin center. And then, you know, the occasional nine or 10. Now Vic thinks they're going to put in 10 every night and that'll be awesome. But six and a half or seven in there is going to be going to be a pretty significant home court advantage, I think. Yeah, when he gets the athletes in there that he, mm -hmm. he that he had at Mississippi State, that's that is fun basketball to watch. There's no and, doubt and about he, it. And he, it's got to be it's got to be a nightmare to play against him when they get that pressure going and he gets those athletes. You can just see they, you know, that that's that press is exhausting to play against. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Roger Wallace folks. I mean, the guy, he's uh, a class act. He's done an incredible job on all those, uh, Longhorn radio network broadcasts that you've been listening to, um, you know, for years and 26 years at KXAN Roger, you're the man. And, uh, we really appreciate the time, my friend. Yeah. My pleasure, Chip. You and I go way back and I always, uh, like when we get together and chat and it's fun to be able to not be under some time constraints like I am at my uh, day job. Yes, absolutely. Well, listen, for Roger Wallace, I am Chip Brown. Thanks to you all for listening to the flagship podcast interview. And until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.